Welcome to the Scarlet Faithful Podcast. I'm Aaron Brightman and thrilled today to welcome in longtime friend, longtime Rutgers fan, and previous contributor to On the Banks when I was there for many years together, the best Rutgers football writer that I know, David Anderson, here to join and to talk about all the different positional previews for Rutgers football upcoming to this 2023 season. And David, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having me, Aaron. So we're going to start, and this episode is going to be focused on the offensive line, obviously a huge question mark for this team, as it is every year. Um, but in particular this year, new offensive coordinator Kirk Shiraka, new offensive line coach Pat Flaherty. Uh, what we know so far is the left side of the line with Holland Pierce and Curtis Dunlap at tackle and guard, respectively, flipping from the right side from last season. Ireland Brown is back at starting center. And the position battles exist on the right side at guard between Kobe Asamoah, who started the last three games of last season, and Mike Siafoni. And then at right tackle, the battle right now appears to be between Kamar Missouri and Tyler Needham. What are your initial thoughts on the offensive line starting on the left side? Well, the guy that most people are talking about as the top you know, possible NFL prospect and leader of this unit is Holland Pierce. The former walk-on, uh, six foot eight, he was playing the right side last year, and flipping him over to the left side is probably better for his strengths. Uh, he was ranked in Pro Football Focus. Again, I, I'm going to mention those grades throughout the the podcast. Take it with a grain of salt, but he was ranked 20th in the Big Ten of all offensive tackles last year, uh, overall, including 11th in pass protection. So having your best pass protector in, you know, in line to protect the blind side of an still relatively inexperienced quarterback uh, makes a lot of sense. Now, on the flip side, Pierce is still improving as a run blocker. So it also makes sense to take your, you know, your most accomplished run blocker who played alongside him last year and Curtis Dunlap, moving him to the same uh, left side. So, you know, People around the program seem to be thinking that this is going to be a fairly solid tandem. I wouldn't say that they're going to be, you know, tops in the Big Ten. But for me, it's just can they give you, you know, adequate, you know, average Big Ten quality play on the left side of that line? And I think the answer is is hopefully going to be yes uh, so that we can see, you know, continued improvement from the other skill positions. Whereas if, you know, if you can't protect on the left side of the line, it's going to make things really difficult. Right. And, there, you know, um, Dunlap told reporters this week that he's been working on his footwork, putting in extra time there. Uh, so that's good to hear. H how much of an adjustment, you know, is it to, to go from the right side to the left side in terms of, uh, you know, be, is it harder at the tackle spot or is it harder more in, in the interior? That's a good question. I never personally played offensive line, but I can say from having gone against offensive linemen, I think that it's a lot harder at guard because your your responsibilities are going to be more footwork related when you have to chip or you have to get to the second level of the defense. Uh, for tackles, especially in pass protection, you're going to spend a lot of time on an island, and that's the same on both sides. So I know that you know with some of the explosive edge rushers in the Big Ten, there's going to be an adjustment, but – uh, it's good to hear that Dunlap's work on his footwork, especially for a guy that really needs to have very good footwork because of how big he is. Uh, 
just with how much weight he carries that packs on, you know, protection in the run game. Uh, he, he, it's really good to hear that because I think he still has a little bit of room to grow contrary to, you know, what some people have been saying about, you know, him kind of flattening out last year. And, and uh, what are your thoughts on the right side? Obviously position battles at both the guard and the tackle spots uh, and obviously key uh, both to have stability on the line, but also with the running game. Well, I think that a key is also Ireland Brown at center because one of the things that we saw, especially in the 2020 season, was how having someone experienced like Nick Crimmon allowed them to say, okay, which side is he going to be helping on, right? Uh, and so if, if you really feel that your right side is probably more of an area of concern, then you can call plays that may take advantage of his experience. Now, Ireland Brown, I think he looks pretty good. I think he passed the eye test, but he was – by pro football focus ranked the low, the worst center in the big 10 in of qualifiers. And I say of qualifiers being pretty important uh, because there was only like maybe 15 or 16 total guys and most of them scored pretty well. But if he can, you know, raise his level of play just a little bit uh, to be a middle of the tack big 10 center, I think that's going to go a long way because he definitely has shown experience. And I also would say, I think he was unfortunately penalized on huge runs where he threw huge blocks that were called back because of either illegal man downfield or at times like a phantom holding call, especially against Nebraska that I think he was, I, I think he might be being underrated by the outside media as a player, because when you look at that right side, we do have the position battle at guard, like you mentioned between Shafoni yeah. and Kobe Asamoa. Asamoa brings a lot of strength to the table. Uh, Shafoni is former converted defensive lineman when he was at Colorado state came, he, he started playing offensive line right before he came to Rutgers and he was kind of rotating in and out as a starter last year as well. Honestly, I don't know who's going to win that battle. I think that they're going to want, uh, you know, you always want your younger guys to kind of step above your older guys, but Asamoah was really not good at all in pass protection. He was definitely a liability in pass protection last year. Do they prefer his run blocking? Probably, but we really have to see. Can he prove enough and uh, pass protection to make him a you know a valuable starter? Otherwise, I think Shafoni is there. There's a number of other guys, either from uh, also from Asamoah's class, maybe even a Brian Felter that have experience if they really want to go that route. Um, with Gus Zelinskis really as your backup center, uh, you know, again, you could have a couple of those other guys also pop their heads in but for now it's a two-man battle and honestly between the two of my i couldn't tell you who's going to win that right guard spot i mean do you have any thoughts as who you think is going to take control of that position well i i, I feel like if um yeah i you, you kind of touched on it but i think if it's if it's anywhere close you know i say you go with asamoah just because he has so many more years of eligibility remaining uh right. he obviously did enough to start those last three games last season um you know he is a uh i think has the you know he's bigger size potential be more physical you know and probably i think could fit better into if, if it's a run first offense which we pretty sure it's going to be right, uh, right. i i think it's as long as it's pretty close i think it would make sense to go with him i think that also makes almost it almost makes shifoni more valuable as a backup because it's a pretty good situation to have as an right. experienced guy as a backup um but yeah, I think it all depends on how he uh, because 
again, he, he's he's kind of shifting now too, right? Because he was playing on the left side. So right, how did right. he make that adjustment also, I think, is, is, is really critical. Yeah, and then next to them at right tackle, we also have another position battle, which kind of complicates matters between Kamar and Tyler Needham. Uh, Missouri really didn't have a lot of snaps. I can tell you that Needham scored quite well in his limited action. And just from watching, especially in the spring game, he shows good agility. He's listed at 6'4", I believe, but he plays with a little bit more agility and lower pad level than that. So depending on how they call the scheme, he might be even a better fit in the offense they're running this year. But Missouri also just looks like he possesses a little bit more upper body strength. So, again, that kind of comes down to who do you think is you're going to be better pass or run blocker or, you know, is one guy just better than the other one? Clearly they don't know if that's still an ongoing battle that one guy is clear cut, won the job. So do you think they'll go into the season with just that solid five of whoever wins those battles? Or do you think we're going to see a little bit of a revolving door at right guard and especially at right tackle when the season starts to kind of see who, you know, shows up better on game day. I think, I mean, based on Shannon's comments, it sounds like they want to have an established starting five. I think the biggest question is, do, do they have, do they have one? Uh, right, right. You know, I, what I wanted to ask you too, was just in terms of, we know Shiraka is going to be run heavy. We know he's going to implement the RPL. We know whims that can be effective, you know, on the run himself and rolling out. I know they've been working on rollouts or, you know, it's been reported since the spring uh, in terms of uh, getting Wimsat out of the pocket. You know, he's not a true drop back passer. Uh, how critical is that for the line? Does it help in terms of take a little bit of pressure off from not having a quarterback just sitting back there? And how much of that is an adjustment in terms of getting out into open space? Good question. And I think we'll talk more on the Wimsat side about it uh, for our listeners during the quarterback preview, but from an offensive line standpoint, it's there's no solutions. There's only trade-offs as you know, Thomas would say unrelated to football. And that's the same thing to be true with rollback rollouts, right? Because everyone says, yeah, roll them out, roll them out, roll them out. Well, that does two things. One from a quarterback standpoint, obviously reduces your reads, which we'll get to later, but from an offensive line standpoint, if the defensive line is slanting, it can make it a lot more difficult to block. And so that's why, I could see, especially on that right side, they might favor agility in terms of being able to pick up those other defenders if you're running a lot of RPOs where you'll have your quarterback running out, especially to their right side on his strong throwing arm side. So I think that can go a long way. Um, but then the other part that it matters a lot is just the mentality. When you watch the RPOs that certain teams run, they basically just have their, their offensive line pass block as if they in the old days when you would just run a draw and it would be a pass block minnesota last year was the reverse where whether it's an rpo or a pure drop back they had a lot of movement on the line so that their linemen were run blocking obviously on the run plays and they were also in a more of a run blocking technique during passing downs which i think may slow down the pass rush just enough to give Wimsat either a little bit more time to pass run or even just make the proper decision as to what he wants to do in the RPO game. And so when you're doing run blocking a higher percentage of the time from an offensive player standpoint, 
And I hope that new offensive line coach, Pat Flaherty can help, you know, instill this in his players is like, you got to go out there and hit someone on every play. We're not, we shouldn't, we're not going to see as much of this, you know, kind of building a wall, which was more of how I saw the Gleason offensive line, which is like, let's try to build this wall on passing downs. No, this is going to be like, we're going to go out and hit someone, even if it's a passing play. And I think just that mindset shift, if coached properly, and they got the most experienced guy they could possibly get, uh, may may make an impact that we see tangibly on the field, even with the same personnel. Yeah, I mean, two great points there in terms of just the mentality, change in mentality, but also in terms of scheming the way that at Minnesota, you know, they were in run, run protection most of the time. Uh, th- that's great insight. And uh, speaking of Flaherty, you know, how – how important is it for him to, um, you know, hone in on that starting five and be able to, to really give his uh, insight and kind of experience to them? And, and what are overall your final thoughts on the impact he can have for this offensive line? I think the impact is quite big. I, I think, you know, again, crossing sports or certain positions where just like an average coach may not be a value subtraction but it's not as much of a value add and i think offensive line is one of those ones it's kind of like a pitching coach in baseball if you have a really good pitching coach you can you can see the same guys just improve so much more rapidly and i think that that we i'm hoping that's what we can see from uh, coach flaherty i mean we've seen it at the nfl level uh with some of the players that he is coached so i i think that that this is the right time for him especially because we haven't even talked about it but Asamo is one of many offensive linemen that came in in his recruiting class, as well as the recruiting class after he's the first one that's, you know, being mentioned in seeing action, but there's a number of other guys in there. Like Taj white got a lot of burn. He's a big body, right? I know we know Jacob Allen, unfortunately we didn't mention he had a major knee surgery as well. The former top ranked recruit in New Jersey. So probably won't expect him this year necessarily, both him and Reggie Sutton, who was the team's best offensive lineman before injury. I don't think we're going to see either of them this year, uh, unfortunately. But a lot of those other players who are in the lower ranks, getting them coached up and developed, and then hopefully maybe one of them can kind of supersede uh, one of the more experienced guys. I have much more confidence that that could happen under the tutelage of, Platt, uh, of Pat Flaherty uh, in the position room. So I know we didn't mention all of them. Dante Chin. I know Nelson Monegro, unfortunately, had to do a medical retirement. Uh, Amir Stanet, and I think there's one more from that group that had seven. Oh, Joe DeCroach. I think that all of them, um, one of them is going to pop. Maybe it's Chin, maybe it's White. I think one of them is going to take to this coaching and really just be a contributor by the end of the season. Great stuff, David Anderson. Appreciate all your insight on the offensive line. That's our preview for this position. Uh, the first of, of many more to come. And stay tuned to that. And thank you for listening to this episode.